Uh, Pastor Terry, what in the tar nation did you just say? Let me say it another way. As your faith, I'm talking about your faith and your relationship with Christ grows and deepens, your outlook on all things economic will likewise develop and mature. Community Church. I thank you so much for turning us on, joining us tonight. And I trust that the Lord's going to bless you all over the place as we fellowship together here for the next 28 and a half minutes or so. We're continuing with part two of a series that we began a week or so ago. The series is titled Life, A Pain in the Blank. And we've dealt with the first part of it, and we're actually going to be dealing with this second part beginning tonight. And we've titled it a little more specifically, Life, a Pain in the Finances. Now, I may be speaking to some of you right now, no doubt, some of you that are having some pain in the finances because of a lack of finances. There are so, also are those who develop pain as a result of having too much finances. They don't know what to do with it. And they get caught up in it and they make a big mess out of their life. And I could go on and on and on. I'm not going to preach the sermon to you right now. Our text passage is based in uh, 1 Timothy. I want to read just one verse in your, well, maybe a couple of verses right now as we get started. Again, from 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning in verse number 9. And the record puts it this way. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Look at verse 10. For the love of money, notice not money, but the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, some eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. We're going to be unpacking this uh, tonight and uh, the next uh, week. And I trust that the Lord would speak to you by His Word. Pray with me. Father, I thank you so much for each one that's turned us on by whatever means. Whether they turned us on on purpose or discovered us by accident, I pray that your Word would minister to their needs. And we'll thank you. We'll praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, you hang on. In particular, if you're hurting in the finances right now and experiencing some pain from finances, I trust you'll take courage with this teaching. God bless. I am exploring with you how we born again, spirit-filled believers are to deal with our pain. What pain, preacher? You know Christians don't experience any such thing. Well, I've already established that we do indeed experience pain and that also 
we should deal with our pain as opposed to denying it, number one, certainly as opposed to suppressing it, to continue to press it down, push it down, and act like it doesn't exist when we know good and well that it does. Once again, if you haven't figured it out yet, I'm not just talking about some unpleasant bodily sensation. I'm not just talking about physical pain, but rather mental or emotional distress associated with, watch this, associated with the trials and the pitfalls of life. It's what we call the cares of life. Now, I'm going to be sharing five more teachings with you connected to this subject. The Lord willing, next week we're going to be talking about the pain of health issues and then the pain of losses, the pain of relationships, and lastly, the pain of sin. But right now, everybody say right now. Right now, we're going to unpack the pain of finances. Now check this out. One of, if not the most difficult topic for a preacher to teach about is in the area of money and finances in general. You might be asking, well, why? Why would you even make such a statement is that fill in number one on your study notes with me, if you would, please. Someone has calculated, it never ceases to amaze me how much time some people have, but somebody has calculated 293 different ways to make change for a dollar bill. My point is this, that alone begins to reveal some of the complexities. I say that somewhat tongue-in-cheek. But for real, and I'm just being for real with you at this point, isn't it the, finan uh, the financial chore of life? Isn't that sometimes just an outright nuisance? Do you find that to be true? I think one of the really cool things about heaven is that we're not going to need any currency there. There's not going to be any exchange going on there and all that kind. We're not going to have to deal with that. No light bill, no power bill, no cable bill, no grocery bill, no check writing, no electronic, none of that. Can I get a hallelujah right there? Oh, yeah. Perhaps you've heard, maybe not, but a Michigan newspaper reported that a man walked into a Burger King. True story, a man walked into a Burger King in Ypsilanti, Michigan. I've held revival meetings there on several occasions. But this guy walks into the, uh, the Burger King at five o'clock in the a.m. in the morning, which is usually when five o'clock a.m. occurs. And he flashed a gun and he demanded cash from the little waiter. But the waiter turned him down because he said he couldn't open the cash register without a food order. <laughs> so the would-be robber said, well, then give me some onion rings and make it quick, okay? And by now, the kind of shaky waiter responded, they're not available during breakfast. <laughs> so the frustrated and bewildered crook walked away. Here's my point about that, beloved. <laughs> You can't even pull off a common heist these days without some kind of complicated financial calculations. <laughs> Seriously, this is in a little box on your study notes somewhere. 
I have coined a phrase. I'm probably going to go down in, in history as being famous for this, but uh, I want to put this before you. Why is it that econology, are you familiar with econology? That's the theology of economy. Again, I just coined that phrase. Why is it that econology is so difficult? the theology of economics and preaching about such a thing. Fundamentally, watch this, because of the differing views about money and the diverse levels of financial status that's represented. Even among this relatively small congregation here this morning, we have the haves, we have the have-nots, and then we have the have-sums. <laughs> And the have-sums, that's a bunch you want to watch because they're aspiring to be the haves. You've got to watch those guys. Then if you factor in that most people, everybody say most, most people get their economics education from the culture and not the Word of God. Even church folks. Hmm. It's an understatement to say that our culture, those outside the body of Christ, they have a distorted philosophy regarding money. Did you know that? They do. Consider with me this as well. Among the New Life congregation, the New Life Fellowship specifically, there are about as many different financial levels as there are people if you carry on conversations with them. Just as an example, I could not address this particular issue uh, with a message titled something like this, how to survive as a pauper. Because very few, if any of you, are paupers. Say amen right there. Not. Neither could I title this sermon series or this particular part of the sermon, how to remain faithful to God as a millionaire. Because whereas a couple of you are, most of you aren't there yet. Amen? It's fascinating to me, and I'm just kind of thinking out loud at this point, and I know how dangerous that is, but it's fascinating to me in a gathering of this size, there are persons that struggled this week. There are some that, that probably struggled this week, no doubt some in the live stream audience. You struggled with the name brand or the knockoff green beans at the Kroger's. You know what I'm saying? While others of you got up this morning and you debated which one of your cars you were gonna drive over here. You see the disparity between those two? Now, here's, here's the irony. The irony is that most of the folks with the cars haven't forgotten that season in their life when they too struggled with the green bean dilemma. Can I get a hallelujah right there? Don't you take for granted that everybody that has cars hasn't been through that green bean dilemma before they got there. Now, let me be quick to say, I wanna move off of that. I'm no longer thinking out loud. These are prepared remarks. Let me be quick to say that this teaching, this part of the series is not intended to focus primarily on the dangers of or even the complexities of money and riches. I'll let that sink in. Having said that, 
Go back with me to our text passage. And I want to read through this relatively slow with you. This is the word of God. It's right. It's true. It's what you are going to be judged by. Not what Terry says, but by what thus saith the Lord. And here's what he said. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. You know, during my study time, I kind of backed away from that and I'm like, why in the world would anybody want to pursue riches if this could happen to them? Look at verse 10. For the love of money... Look closely, church. The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. That does not say money is the root of all evil or that money is evil. It's very important that you understand that. Otherwise, I have something evil in my pocket this morning. The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have, and I know some folks think this can't happen, but this is what the word of God says, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Wow. I do want to say to you before we move on to other things, this is still a truth that needs emphasis among the body of Christ in this day and age. Perhaps you've heard of affluenza. Have you heard of affluenza? The word affluent, affluenza. Mr. Webster defines it. This is actually in Mr. Webster's uh, dictionary. It goes this way. It's extreme materialism and consumerism associated with the pursuit of wealth and success and, check this out, resulting in a life of chronic dissatisfaction, debt, overwork, stress, that's what caught my attention, and impaired relationships. I want to caution you, New Life Community Church, against such. It's wrong. It will ruin you. It will ruin your family. It certainly will ruin uh, a church fellowship. Don't go there. Be encouraged not to go there. Nonetheless, my heart and my spirit is to explore this whole subject from a fairly different perspective. Do you remember, I am addressing the overarching theme of pain. Some of you, looking back at me right now, some of you, no doubt, some in the live stream or the the television congregation, have endured some economic trials. Now, let me pause right there just a sec. I'm, I'm going to make a point out of this. Sister D, you remember 1997? I know you've tried to put that out. Mm-hmm. 1997. Let me tell you what happened in 1997. I was terminated from my job for no good reason. Had a job one day, the next day I didn't. 
Part of that job was what they call a parsonage. That's a nudge where the parson lives. It's a home provided by church. So guess what happens when you're terminated from that job? You no longer have a place to live. Even if you have three little children and one little wife to take care of. So there I am. No job, no house. And the best I can remember, I had $500 life savings in the bank. Do you know what that was worth in 1997? Not a whole lot more than it's worth right now. I told you that to tell you this. I understand buying the cheap green beans. I haven't always been a millionaire like I am today. God has blessed and for those of you struggling, whether you lost a job, your house, whatever the case might be, remain faithful to God. God never let me down. Listen to this. Church folks might let you down. God Almighty never will. Amen. Never will. Never will. Hallelujah. Yeah, give him praise and glory this morning. When those things happen with a lot of people, some of those episodes affect people's ability to rejoice in God. Is that painful? That's what we're talking about. Number two on your study notes, Lord willing, I have felt impressed to help you begin to integrate the management of your resources or your finances into a broader vision of faith formation. Uh, Pastor Terry, what in the tar nation did you just say? Let me say it another way. As your faith, I'm talking about your faith and your relationship with Christ grows and deepens, your outlook on all things economic will likewise develop and mature. As you allow Holy Spirit to shift your counsel from the culture to our Savior, you will develop and mature. Now that was a powerful sentence I just shared with you. I trust that you'll get a hold of it. We're going to discover, hopefully this morning, if I don't get around to it today, we'll get around to it at some point in time, but we're going to discover a genuine fundamental difference in the ideology of a Jesus chaser and the self chaser with regards to all things money. Now let me give you, I just shared with you a hint basically. Herein lies the real culprit in terms of accurately and adequately teaching on godly principles with regards to money. Uh, suffice it to say this morning, the culture around us, the culture outside the body of Christ, they are not working from a base of godly principles. I am, and I trust that you are, okay? Now, the pastor is responsible for shepherding the flock. Did you know that? especially in this delicate area, delicate area of discipleship. Let me talk to you for just a few minutes about stewardship preaching. Are you familiar with the word stewardship or being a good steward? Stewardship preaching. 
Mr. Kim, in his book, Preaching to People in Pain or something to that effect, he says this, and I quote, stewardship preaching is practical theology in the truest sense of the term. I underlined that and just kind of put it aside, and later I had to come back to it, and I thought, you know, that is a very powerful statement right there. Stewardship preaching is practical theology in the truest sense of the term. Fill in number three with me on your study notes, talking about stewardship preaching. What is it? It's very simply this. It's teaching about or on the ins and outs of taking care of or accepting responsibility for something entrusted to your care. Stewardship, it's a rather archaic word. You may not use that every day around the water cooler. Some of you may have heard it for years and years and years. But stewardship is an archaic term that's probably best understood to us by use of a word like management or managing some asset, whether that asset is large or small, whether it's personal or corporate. Consider this truth, because when you consider this truth, Haggai chapter 2 and verse number 8, which says the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. Who does the gold and silver belong to? God Almighty. And then consider David's account, Psalm chapter 24 and verse one, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. If that's true and it is, then beloved, we begin to fathom a differing perspective with regards to getting too bossy and too possessive about our stuff. At the most basic level, money or resources is a blessing provided by the hand of God. Isn't that true? And truly, we have to begin to realize that what our role is as a mere caretaker, not the owner of, but a caretaker. For those of you presently feeling the pressure of finances, anybody like that? Don't lift your hand. For whatever reason, whether it was mismanagement on your part or unforeseen, out of control, monetary challenges, the pain of finances can be and should be overcome. You want to know the secret? There is no secret. There is no secret. If you can read, how many of you can read? Seven of you, that's good. How many of you can hear? Now, how many of you can read? No, that's just what I thought. If you can read and you can hear, watch this. If you can read and you can hear, then you can learn to be successful with money management and avoid lots of stressful pitfalls. I believe that. Number four on your study notes. Actually, most money issues isn't as much a math problem as it is a priority issue. Now, here we go. We're going to have audience participation, so you help me out. Somebody help me know what two plus two is. Two plus two is four. One more time. Two plus two is four. Four. All right, you did pretty good with that one. Let me see if I can throw you a trick math equation. Somebody tell me what four minus five is. Hang on. I'm going to tell you. Four minus five. 
Let me tell you what four minus five is. You ready? It's a problem. It's a problem. And we all know this, don't we? If you have four and you need five, you've got a problem. We all know this, but jacked up priorities can find us on the wrong end of four minus five quicker than you can imagine. Isn't that true? Very, very easily. But what about this? What about those unforeseen landmines, I'm going to call them, like house repairs or car, car repairs? Are you... Isn't it true that one of the most severe pains that we endure, and I'm talking about inward conflict that we endure as we go through life, is when we've made a bad financial decision and then we have to literally pay the price, no pun intended. I want you to listen. Whether you made a bad decision and got into some kind of financial trouble or life came along and caused the trouble for you, I want to uh, remind you, and we're going to get into this in some more details. We close out this particular part of the series, but I want to remind you right now that God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for your finances. Now, the problem is most of the time we want to try to figure it out according to our plan, and we don't know what's coming. We don't know the bumps and the valleys that's coming before us, but our Heavenly Father does, and He has a plan. So I want to suggest if we're listening to Him and following after his plan, then these things aren't going to sting quite so bad. They may stink in some respects, but they won't sting quite so bad. In particular, when you realize that God loves you, his plan for your life is to make you stronger and to develop you more into his image so that you might uh, come forth from the trial, the tribulation, whatever it is, whether it's finances or otherwise, that you might come forth victorious. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray right now specifically for that one that's made a bad financial decision or they found themselves in a bad financial way at no fault of their own. Life just caught them off guard. I pray for them right now that they would know and understand that you love them, you care about them, you have a plan for their life either to bring them out of the mess or help them through the trial by whatever means they fell into the trial. Strengthen them, I pray. Put courage into them, and we'll thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, beloved, before I get out of here, I want to remind you one more time that the church is still going full force, in particular, New Life Community Church, and we'd love to see you. Hey, listen, part of the plan, God's plan for you is church. Christ said he was going to build the church. We're told in the Word of God not to forsake the assembling of the church. And one of the ways, one of the ways that you can be helped with your finances even is by getting involved in the church. You say, oh, no, Pastor, I got involved and all they want is this money, money, money. No, that's not true. We're here to help you understand God's plan. And when you're involved in that week after week after week, as opposed to maybe twice a year, then it'll make a little more sense to you. New Life meets Sunday morning. At 10 o'clock, we also have midweek activities. We call that Family Ministries Night. That's Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Our KFC meets, that's the Kids for Christ, ETS 5 Youth Group, as well as the adults, mostly 
small groups on Wednesday night. We would love to see you. I am Terry Knight, the pastor of New Life Community Church, and I thank you so much for being a part of this telecast. I trust it's been a help to you that has put courage into you. And I want to remind you as we get out of here tonight that Jesus is coming back. Is he coming back? 